Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Trailside Church. Uh, Pastor Sean here. So excited that you're with us this morning on our online virtual gathering. Um, so good to be back with you this week. I know as things are kind of continuing to be uncertain that um, we're kind of in this weird standstill and that you're experiencing as well. I don't know if maybe you're experiencing what I am, but a little bit of cabin fever, a little bit of craziness, kids who we love and are so wonderful, um, can be a little bit overwhelming right now. But hey, good news, the sun is out, weather is showing up a little bit, so at least we can get outside and uh, not have to be stuck inside in cold rain all the time. So there's silver lining in everything. Um, but listen, I've been so pumped in all of this to watch the creativity of the church come out. Um, we've seen some of you guys in the church creatively come and hang out and have community like we did last week uh, with the, the Schrock, uh, I guess, virtual hangout hour, which ended up being two and a half. And uh, our college group has had some really fun and uh, sweet things that Pastor Tyler's been putting together with them. And Resolve, our student ministry's been hanging out and going through First Peter together. And I just think it's so cool that we are being the church outside of the church walls, that we're not being limited uh, by this crazy COVID thing. Um, in fact, our staff has actually gotten together and had lunch Thursday uh, every week together where we just kind of call in on Zoom and eat lunch and catch up and talk about stuff. And our pastors meet on Tuesday afternoons um, for a lunchtime meeting as well, just to sit down and talk and pray with you. And I also had a really cool experience this past week where I actually was online with about eight other pastors and we all got on and prayed for our um, churches and prayed for our city and our uh, our, our nation today. Um, and it was really a, a very sweet, cool moment because what we're realizing is even in these moments where things are a little crazy, uh, that the church doesn't have to stop. And so that's what I'm pumped about. Um, I hope that you're excited about that as well. And uh, this morning is Palm Sunday, and uh, we're going to finish up Psalm 23, this series that we started back when we were gathering uh, together as we prepare for Easter Sunday. And so today is this day called Palm Sunday, and uh, it's, <clears throat> it's known as a celebration of Jesus actually making his way into Jerusalem uh, a week before his death, the triumphal entry, as they call it. And the reason that it's referred to as Palm Sunday is because as Jesus rode in, it says that the crowds gathered and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they placed uh, their cloaks and they placed palms down on the ground so that as he rode into town, uh, his donkey would not touch the dirt, but instead it was greeted by these very cool symbolic things that we're going to talk about in just a second. But it got me thinking. What does Palm Sunday look like uh, in other places? You know, for us right now, it looks like this, like gathering at home, um, having a few people over to watch this and to participate with. But I found two really interesting customs I wanted to kind of let you know, and maybe you can incorporate these into your life. Uh, in Belgium, it's the only place known where they actually get 12 people to represent the apostles, and they carry a wooden cross and a wooden statue of Jesus through the entire main city. It's actually in Hogarden is where they do it. And so the crowds come out, they gather and they watch this cross uh, with a sculpture of Jesus carried through the city. 
And as they do that, as the people come out of their homes, uh, this is where I think we might have messed up as kids. Children come and they go door to door asking for money. And it's customary for the people in the homes to give kids money. They like have these little what they call palm boxes and they throw money in. And I guess the kids get to take the money and have an awesome day. Uh, maybe, uh, I know it's not kosher to go door to door right now, but uh, maybe if you have an entrepreneur in your home, you can uh, let them know, you know, it's kind of like selling Girl Scout cookies, but you just do it with Jesus instead. I don't know, that probably shouldn't have said that. But Latvia is even better. Uh, Latvia, it's customary, this is crazy to me, for parents to wake up their kids by, by swatting them with willow branches. Uh, you actually go into their bedrooms, you take willow branches, and you swat, you ceremoniously swat your children with these willow branches. I think that's just absolutely nuts. Um, but man, people all over the world are crazy. So, uh, And for our church, it's really interesting. We don't really have a Palm Sunday custom, I guess you can say. Obviously, this year we're meeting here. We're gathering together uh, online, and we'll have our Facebook moment kind of after this, and Instagram Live will be on both this week. Uh, but last Palm Sunday, I was talking to Lane, and um, you know, we were like, "What did we do last Palm Sunday?" Last Palm Sunday, we didn't meet. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, the week before Palm Sunday last year was our last week at the school. Our contract was up, and we knew that Easter Sunday we would be opening the church in our new building. And so last year we actually celebrated by not celebrating. Uh, we celebrated by painting the walls in the church and by making it moderately clean and um, by doing all kinds of construction work and hanging televisions and uh, putting production booths together and doing all this just craziness um, I think Dusty sanded about 900 square feet uh, nine times and then painted it so that we could have a black wall in the back. It was crazy. We did so much work. Um, but it got me thinking, man, what a joy. What an absolute joy it's been to celebrate this last year with you uh, in our new building on State Park Road at State Park Road, 6711 State Park Road. Um, in fact, if you haven't been to the building and you're watching this online and you've been considering checking us out and calling us uh, home for you, we'd love for you to come. As soon as this thing is over, we're gonna open up and we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna have two Easter's this year. We're gonna have one next week uh, that we'll, we'll gather online again for, but it's gonna be a really cool, very different thing. I'm so pumped to, tell you, to watch you see that uh, and to tell you about that. And then we're gonna have a absolute knockdown drag out celebration and we can gather back together as well because that's what this season truly is. It's about remembering God's goodness to us. And we were able to experience so much this past year. Um, I mean, we had moments from starting Parents' Night Out to baptizing a, a ton of people, uh, celebrating salvation. We had potlucks. We had a, 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 a boil, a low country boil, which was one of my favorite days once I actually got to eat the food. Um, we've had so much of this insane, wonderful, also challenging um, times together. And we don't know when life is gonna get back to normal. I don't have any kind of magic calendar any more than you or anyone else does. Um, but it's been three weeks uh, since we've had this. We probably have another at least three weeks to go. Um, but it's crazy to think that just over three weeks ago, we were able to uh, go watch sporting events. Um, we were getting ready for March Madness. Hockey was coming up for the hockey playoffs. 
which if you don't watch Stanley Cup playoffs, you're missing out. Just some of the greatest uh, excitement I've ever seen in sports. We had restaurants we could go into. Uh, we had toilet paper. Toilet paper was readily available. People weren't hoarding it yet. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I wanna actually back uh, track into Psalm 23 and remind us of what it is that we're finishing up today. Uh, so this is what Psalm 23 says. I'm gonna read it from the very start. Again, we're encouraging you, uh, take some time and memorize this with your family. Uh, walk through it as a challenge to yourself. Prove to yourself you can memorize scripture. Um, but uh, we're going to read it here and uh, get ready for uh, this morning. So it says, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Great verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me before my enemies, in the, I'm sorry, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then we come to this verse that we're going to stay in this morning. Uh, it's the very last verse of the psalm. And it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a celebration verse. So really, this one verse kind of splits into two different thoughts that I want us to, to walk through this morning. Uh, the first is, is this. It's a, it's a recap of all that David has gone through and all the hope he finds in the good shepherd, in the, the Lord of hosts, in the protector, in the relational God that he walks with. And remember, he, he starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have everything I need. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He, he sets me down beside still waters. He gives me all that I need. And then it goes in and says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, that God protects us and he guides us and keeps us where we need to be like we talked about last week. And then he closes this with this beautiful statement, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One really fun thing that I've experienced in this this study is this kind of love for the Hebrew language. Um, If you don't know about the, the uh, biblical Hebrew, it's incredibly hard. Uh, it's probably one of the toughest things to learn. I know all, some of our, our staff members and some of our interns are studying that right now, some of our other college students. Um, and it is just insanely tough uh, because there's no vowels and there's different tenses and everything's a mess. But um, what I've discovered in this study, this time in Hebrew, is that it has this beautiful depth. Um, and it has this depth and this ability to tie together and reference older texts and then actually kind of foreshadow things that are yet to come and which makes it truly beautiful. And I say all that to say this, think about this moment where he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, if you go back and look at the original language here, the Hebrew, what you actually will discover is that um, this word follow is typically used with a hostile intent. So when you read follow in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, Typically, it's this idea that there is hostility, uh, there is enemies, there is something that is a thorn in your flesh, a demon behind you, something that would go everywhere you go to bring you torment, to cause you harm. And so when David actually says, surely 
goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's doing a really kind of cool thing with the word, with the verbiage here. Instead of saying, normally what follows is this hostile, hard, painful thing. He says, instead, because of who the good shepherd is, because of who Jesus is, or the Messiah at this point for him, because of who God is and what God does for us, he says, instead of something following me in hostility, instead of something aggressing me and approaching me to hurt me, he says, mercy and goodness will follow me. See, what he, what he actually does is he, he takes it and he flips it around and he says, what God does, what the good shepherd does is he replaces a place of hostility and fear and he instead gives us goodness and mercy. Do you see what happened there? It's this incredible moment where he says, normally the things that follow are hostile and fearful, but instead what the good shepherd does is goodness and mercy follow me instead of pain and enemies and hardship. Remember, he just before had said he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, a place of fear. And he says, instead of death, instead of doubt, instead of anger and enemies who would overtake me, goodness and mercy follow me now. So that's what David says, because of all of these things that we read in the first part of Psalm 23, because of who God is and who God says you are, he is sure, surely, he says, that's how he starts verse five, surely goodness and mercy will follow me instead of something hostile to overtake me. And these, these benefits of the covenant that God makes with his people, um, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, that he is the good shepherd and that he brings us safety and security and protection. Remember just before he said he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows, he gives us generosity. Because of these things, we know that God replaces fear and death with goodness and mercy. He, he replaces those things which would seek to bring us harm, and instead replaces it with things that are good. And that, that church, that is what following Jesus means. It, it means that we belong to the good shepherd and it means that he takes what the enemy means for harm, what, what Satan means for harm, what he tries and attempts, just like we said last week, what, what he tries and attempts to, to get into your life and hurt he takes that and he replaces it with goodness and mercy. Notice what he doesn't say is that God replaces these things and then makes everything better. Right? You don't need mercy if there is not something bad that goes along with it. No one that is in the courtroom under trial needs mercy. You need it when you're in the courtroom, not when you're not in the courtroom. You only need mercy in times of trial. And so a lot of times when the enemy is attacking you and he is trying to take things from you and hurt you and harm you and harm the people around you, what you need is mercy. You need grace. You need goodness. And so this is what, this is what the good shepherd offers us. He takes what the enemy means for harm. And in those moments of harm, he offers mercy and goodness but it's not just when it's tough. It's all, he says, all the days of my life. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
every day. No matter what comes, God has taken our sorrow, our pain, and replaced it with goodness and mercy. We are in the midst of everything being uncertain. Many of your jobs, many of your positions are, um, if, they're, if they're still happening, they're at home and you're trying to figure out a home office next to your husband or your roommates or someone else and, and everything is kind of up in the air right now. Some of us have been furloughed and put to the side and, and only the government is coming in and allowing us to continue to live and to give and to eat and to do all these things. Everything is so uncertain, but this is why we have goodness and mercy in our time of need, because as the good shepherd comes and as we follow and as he leads us, we can be sure that he will take care of us and give us goodness and mercy all the days of our life. That's why he's a good shepherd. That's why he's a great host. That's why he's a good Lord, because our cup overflows. He protects us. He watches over us. He gives us everything we need. We shall not want. He puts us in places of peace. He gives us the provision we need. And he says that he will not let harm befall us. And so when things that are evil attempt to come and attack us, David shows here that goodness and mercy instead will follow us because we follow the leadership of the good shepherd. And he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now forever here is, um, it's actually a a hyperbolic statement. It it, it means two things. If you again, go to the Hebrew, it means a, a very long time. And that is a place of safety that you can return as often as you please. And so when David says this, he says, I shall dwell, I shall exist in the house of the Lord as often and as long as I need and want. It's actually really cool too. The word dwell, the only people who would dwell in the temple, in the house of the Lord, were priests. And so when we find commonality here with David, what you also find is purpose. That that God in his care for you and his love for you as a shepherd to his sheep, he says, you will dwell as a priest in my home forever, for as long as you need, as long as you want, and as often as you please. You are given the role and the purpose of priest. If you know and follow Jesus, you have been given every tool and been equipped in every way that I have in order to make much of who God is to everyone around you. That's what David says here. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord. You are given the office of priest. You are given the ability of someone who can go and love people for the sake of the kingdom of God. No matter what your role is, no matter what your Monday through Friday looks like, that you have been given a place to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that you can come back into that peace and that security, that, that refuge as often as you need and as long as you need, that you would be fulfilled, that you would be taken care of, that you would be protected, that you would be given this overflow for all the days of your life. And so David says, goodness and mercy will follow me all of my days and I will return to him, the good shepherd, time and time and time again. And he will always provide what I need. Because this is what what happens. God takes the enemy and all of his power and he gives you goodness and grace and mercy forever. That is the gospel. That's the truth. That's the hope that all of us need right now. That so many of us need. 
that God takes the enemy in his power. Remember what it says, that, that he sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He takes the power of the enemy and instead he gives you goodness and mercy. And listen, maybe, maybe you are right now in a really tough spot. Maybe you are in a challenging moment in a place that you've never thought you would ever be before. Maybe what you're dealing with now is heavier and bigger than you. Maybe it's bigger and heavier than what you can shoulder and what you can get through. And, and maybe these, these beautiful terms sound great, but you need relief now and, and you need help. And I want to encourage you, please seek the good shepherd. Like seek hope and goodness and mercy. And maybe you're thinking, how in the world can God work this out? What do I do? How in the world can he replace my fear and this enemy that's pursuing me? How can he replace it with good and grace? Well, this is exactly what he does. He takes the weight of these moments, that these things you're walking in, he makes them temporary, number one. He tells us that they will not overtake us that he will never relent and he will never leave you so that you will not be overtaken by these moments. Number two, he, he promises that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Each rabbi carried a yoke with them, literally. And, and when, what Jesus says is the weight of that is light and easy, that you can rest in it instead of be oppressed by it. That's a whole other sermon, but, but, but that's what Jesus says. So rest in that. And number three, you have to trust in the weight of these moments, moments that God promises good and goodness and mercy in them for you. An outcome of grace and peace no matter what. In fact, it, it kind of reminds me of Genesis 50, especially verse 20. What's happened is that Joseph had been sold away by his brothers and told their father that he was dead. And what happened is that Joseph actually, by the Lord's hand, uh, what what seemed terrible ascended into being Pharaoh's right-hand man. And as, fa as famine struck all of the country, his brothers had to come to the kingdom many years later to seek help, to seek refuge from the king. And as they walk up, they don't recognize their brother, but their brother recognizes them. And he grants them peace and they become very scared because they think, well, Joseph is going to get even with us. He could kill us. He could have us murdered right now. And Joseph says this in beautifully poetic, incredible, humble, loving thing. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What, what man meant to harm, God meant for good. So even in those moments where you think that there might not be a way out, know that God is working and that God is with you and that these moments are temporary because eternity is forever but these things aren't and that he will give you all you need. So why is any of that important as we walk into this uh, Easter via Palm Sunday today? Because here's the cool thing. This is exactly what Jesus tells the people. He, he, this very same truth is what Jesus tells the people in his entrance into the city of Jerusalem as he approaches the city to a crowd of jubilant acceptance because these people thought they were getting a, a radical political king. But as, as he goes into the city, he knows that to get these beautiful promises, it will cost him his life. Yet, yet 
Jesus does that very thing. And so as we go to Matthew in chapter 21, we read about Jesus walking into the city of Jerusalem and the triumphant nature and the people screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And, and what that literally means is save us, save us, save us. And they're saying, save us now. And in verse one, this is what scripture says. It says, now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. Sometimes we read that and you're like, wait, did Jesus just steal a donkey? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, This took place to fulfill what the prophet was saying. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So this is actually... Out of Zechariah 9.9, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament, and he's saying, listen, this is to fill a prophecy that was made about me thousands of years ago that says the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah will enter the city on a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus directed. I mean, picking up at verse seven, they brought the donkey and the colt and, on the, and put on them their cloaks and they sat on them. Most of the crowd, as, as he approaches the city, spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered the Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So let me give you a little bit of understanding what just happened. Um, Jesus is going into the same community that just a few days ago saw him, witnessed him raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, Lazarus, who was dead a few days before, is now celebrating Jesus alive coming into the city of Jerusalem is now alive as he prepares to see Jesus' own death. And he rides in on a donkey. It's really, it's really actually important because what happened um, is that a king would ride into the city, into a city, on one of two objects. One was a horse, which symbolized uh, war, that you were coming in, in power to effectively take over and to declare war on a city. And the other was a donkey, which symbolized peace. And so here is the king of kings, the prince of peace, walking into the city, riding into the city rather, on a donkey. And so Jesus fulfills these two prophecies that, number one, he is the king that has been long awaited. The people have been waiting for a Messiah. And so he quotes Zechariah 9 and he says, I am that king. And he rides in a donkey, uh, which also fulfills that. And he says, I'm coming in peace. Yet he is coming into the city for the most violent thing that will ever happen in, the, in history. But here's the cool, the cool part. As he's coming into the city, the people greet him with Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they greet him with palms. Palm Sunday. Now, the same palm is also used in 1 Kings 6. And what Solomon, who was one of the wisest kings ever did, is he actually had his servants go and cut palms into the walls and into the door frames of his entire kingdom. 
And in Revelation 7, we read when Jesus comes back that the great multitude of believers, that the church, the body, the big C church of all of the world's history will greet Jesus as king with palms in their hands. Now, why is that important? This is the coolest thing, church. This is so, so great. Because palms symbolize victory and goodness. And goodness. What does David say? He says, I'm sure that goodness and mercy will follow me all of my days. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That goodness, palms, the same thing that we see the people greet Jesus as he walks into the city to become king or to continue or to claim his throne, I suppose. The very same thing we see the people greet Jesus in is the same thing that David thousands of years before said is going to be a marker for the goodness of God and the plan that he has for you and the love he has for you. That the way the good shepherd is the good shepherd by providing goodness and mercy is the very same thing we see as Jesus walks into this city, as he comes to bring mercy to the people. They greet him with palms of goodness. And so Jesus, as he is riding in on a donkey, as he is riding in on peace, declaring his kingship is greeted in victory with goodness. And this is what David was saying. Every single bad day, every enemy who would demand your life and well-being, every single thing which would come against you, that Jesus instead as king meets us with peace, meets us with palms of goodness, a symbol of his victory and his grace. And he says that the good shepherd is the king over all things, over anything that would come against you, including death itself. So why in the world could David say this? Because he understood what people in Jerusalem would understand soon as well, that goodness and mercy follows us each day because God himself has taken death and replaced it with himself, which is victory and goodness and mercy. And David says those are the very things that his life will be known by, that he will have it surrounding him all the days of his life as he dwells in the house of the Lord forever. And it is the same for you and I. That death has no sting. We celebrate Palm Sunday because it is the beginning of the moment death died. Because it is when we prepare to celebrate God's goodness and victory and resurrection. See, Palm Sunday is more than just a day. It is a chance to reflect on his death and his goodness and his victory as you and I celebrate the resurrection, the best day in history when everything changed. Because if you follow Jesus, death has no sting. It has no victory. Your enemies cannot overcome who you are and what you do. And although they may try, God replaces your enemies with goodness and mercy and victory. And that is good news. So we celebrate Palm Sunday to be more than just a day. It is a chance to reflect on his death and his grace and his victory and that he gives us goodness and mercy. So church, my encouragement to you this morning is that you would do that. 
This week, we're going to have some special things happening. We're going to have a good Friday service. We're going to live stream. I'm super excited about that. Friday, I think it's 6.30 p.m. We celebrate the Last Supper, the, the death of Jesus on the cross. And we're going to have one of the most insanely wonderful Easter experiences that Trailside has ever done. But so much bigger than that, so much greater than that, is how we celebrate this week so that we can celebrate next Sunday really well. So three questions for you to discuss in your group, in your home. The first is this, what part of your life are you waiting for redemption in? What does that look like for you? Where are you waiting for God to replace your enemy with his goodness and mercy? Number two, what do you want to examine in your own heart and in your own life this week as we prepare for the Holy Week? And number three, um, how can you take this beautiful truth and this psalm and make it more than ink on a page? Last week, I talked about biblical literacy at an all-time low. What can you do to make the pages of the Bible be life-giving and victory and hope? And with that, what do you need to put aside in your life today? What do you have to stop controlling? What do you need to be done with? Church, don't forget, I'm, I'm going to pray and we'll end here, but don't forget about our, our post hangout here in about 20 minutes. We'll be on Facebook and Instagram Live. Um, thank you for those of you who are able to be continually faithful in your giving in this kind of weird, hard time for, our, for the church and for the city and for the nation. Um, thank you for those who are walking with us and participating. It's so good to talk to you guys um, on Facebook and Instagram Live and uh, throughout the next few weeks. Pray for us as we pray for you. But more than anything, remember, as we wrapped up Psalm 23, that God's goodness and mercy are the very same things that David says connotate your life in the same way that it's what Jesus experiences. He walked in to defeat death, walked into the city. That as he came on peace, he brought mercy and goodness. And that by that, we will celebrate next week we have life. Church, I love you. It's a joy being your pastor. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Let me pray for you. Father, you're good and you're gracious and kind and loving. And Lord, if I've taken that for granted, I apologize. Forgive me. And Lord, in these very uncertain times, it's kind of even become a, a, a buzzword now. We know that you are in control. We know that although enemies will come and that will hurt and there'll be pain and there'll be things that we don't understand. God, we know that as people get sick, as we watch people lose their lives, and as we watch some recover, that you are still on your throne and in control. Lord, help us. Help us to love you more than we love us. Help us to serve more than we serve us. Remove selfishness and fear from us and replace it with goodness and mercy. Thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you indeed prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, that you indeed lead us beside 
uh, still waters and that you indeed give us all we need and that you comfort and protect us with your staff and your rod and, and the oil you place on our head can keep us away from the things which would harm us, that you give us goodness and mercy always and that we always have a place to dwell in your kingdom. Father, help us to be patient, to be graceful and kind as cabin fever, cabin fever sets in. Help us to love one another well. Help us to love our friends and our church well and give us wisdom in how we interact with every single person who we come in contact with. We trust you. We love you. We, we, we follow you. You're everything and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, we'll see you in 20 minutes. Can't wait. Uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Trailside Church. Love y'all so much. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening and we can't wait to see you again soon.